Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Luke chapter 14, verse 14, excuse me, verse 15 through 24. I want you to hold your Bibles high up in the air. If you're reading from your iPhone or your smartphone, just hold that high up in the air as we declare this over our hearts as we read the word. Say, this is the infallible, undisputed, and inerrant word of God. Today, I open up my heart, mind, spirit, and soul to receive from its truth. God, I thank you that fruit will abound to my account as a result of reading, hearing, and applying your word to every area of my life. In Jesus' name. How many believe that? Give God a shout. Luke chapter 14. You may remain standing just for a moment if you can. Luke chapter 14, verse 15 through 24 says this. Now, when one of those who sat at the table, everybody say table. When one of those who sat at the table with him, meaning Jesus, heard these things, he said to him, blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And then he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And he sent to his servant at supper time saying to those who were invited, come for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord begin to make excuses. Before we move on, just nudge somebody a little bit or at least look at them with conviction in your eyes and say, stop making excuses. Come on, look at somebody else and say, stop making excuses, even if you have to turn around. Say, stop making excuses. And the first man said to him, I have bought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. I have to ask you to excuse me. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come to your supper. So that servant came and reported these things to his master, and the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And that servant said, master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Look at somebody and say, there's room at the table. Then the master said to that servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those who were invited shall taste my supper. You may have your seats. Welcome those of you watching on Facebook live. We pray that this message touches you in a mighty way and encourages you in your relationship with Jesus. For those of you who are sitting in here, feel free to share this video to encourage someone. Amen. We want to touch people. Jesus said, go, go into all the world. Well, we may not be able to go in all the world, but we can sure get in a whole lot of homes if we share this video to encourage someone. Amen. This is a parable that Jesus is giving to exclusively to his disciples. And it's about the end of the age. Say the end of the age. 
And he's giving a picture of what most believers' response to him will be as he calls them as they enter into the last day, as he calls them to himself. Now, first and foremost, the Lord is giving an invitation to a supper. Say a supper. I get you to repeat after me because if someone's out there and I see their eyes drifting, this is a way that I keep them awake and following me. Suppers are super common, at least us country folks we use the word supper still. Does anybody use that word supper? <laughs> Look, nobody in here. Well, I'm an actual, I'm an Orlando native. Literally, this is my backyard, so I'm considered a southerner. So we still use the word supper. Well, in Jesus's day, suppers were super important. And they're actually still common today, at least, at least in my home and certainly uh, in Israel, in the Jewish cultures, because that's when families, they come together and not only eat, but they talk. That's really kind of the reason Spanish people will get that. They get together over food so that they can talk and spend time with their family. And suppers are an intimate time for people to spend together, to get to know how that person is doing and how their day looked and about their life. Supper's so important to me and my wife. As you can tell, I, I, I like to eat. Um, Suppers are super important to us. As a matter of fact, at about, at about 2, 2 p.m. every afternoon, me and my wife have this common phone call, and it's, it usually looks like this. Honey, what's for dinner? You know, I, We plan things out. You know, We have a little bonfire in the back since it's cold, so we either will figure out whether or not we're going to do steaks on the grill and we're going to do s'mores with the kids. I have a two-year-old, eight-year-old, and then, of course, our 19-year-old who's you know, getting into adulthood. So, so we, we love spending time around the dinner table. How many foodies do I have in the house? How many people like food here besides me? It's even a time that we like to pick on each other, you know, and it's usually a time of laughter and just, just getting to know each other. And, and, I, and I believe in this last day, this is a picture, this parable is a picture of where we're at in the Lord as it relates to chronological prophecy. We are entering into what is called the end of the age. I'm not saying this is the end of the world, but we're certainly climaxing. If you are familiar with the scriptures, we're certainly entering into a time and season. Oh, oh you guys don't believe that? It says that in the last days, men will become lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, disobedient to parents. Does the world look like that right now? Boasters, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So the, the, the Bible prophecy is unfolding, whether it's in our lifetime or in, in your children's lifetime. All I'm saying is we are closer than ever. And Jesus is giving this picture of where we're at in the body of Christ. He's saying, I'm going to have this huge supper and I'm going to call to my people. No longer is, are we in the season of playing the violin on the front of the Titanic. It is time that we now ring the bell and awaken the church and awaken people to the fact that we are entering into the last days and we have to wake up. Nudge somebody a little bit. Don't hurt them. Just nudge them and say, it's time to wake up. Look at somebody else and say, we are close. And so Jesus is inviting these people and he says these words, come for all things are now ready, but they with all of one accord begin to make excuses. And now if you, have a, if you have a dad who cooked a lot, and I, and I do like to cook, my wife will probably say otherwise, but I cook at least once a month. I mean, that's pretty good for a man to cook. I'm not sure if it's a compliment to the fact that she's just being a good wife or she just doesn't like my cooking. I'm trying to figure out which one. I'd like to think I'm a pretty good cook. 
if the, if, the, if the father, because, you know, once he washes the dishes once, for those of you wives who have a husband who, you know, he washes the dishes once, you'd think he thinks he's Superman doing the dishes once a month. Come on, come on, all the wives say amen to that. Look, I see somebody over there kind of arguing. He's like, I do it more than that. So Jesus is inviting these people to the supper, and I thought to myself, why is he getting so angry? Because the Bible says he got so angry that there's even some that he kind of locked out and they weren't, they weren't after they missed the invitation, he closed the door. So God was really angry with people who refused and made excuses to come to the supper. And so I think it's because men have this kind of pride thing. I've kind of put myself in Jesus' shoes. If he made this supper and he got everything ready and yet they rejected the invitation. And so Ever since the beginning of time, this is why suppers are so important, because if you look all throughout Scripture, there's this common denominator of God beckoning his people to a table. In the book of Genesis, we start with Adam and Eve. He beckoned them to a table. He came to himself. There wasn't a literal table, but there was a figurative table. He was calling his people to himself, because that's what the table represents, is intimacy with God. Somebody say intimacy. And then you find yourself midway through the Bible in Luke where Jesus is inviting his people to his supper, and yet they reject him. And then if you look at the book of Revelation, the whole theme of the book of Revelation is called the marriage supper of the Lamb. All throughout Scripture, God is calling humanity to sup with him. Even Jesus said it like this, Behold, in the last days, I am knocking If any man or woman hears me, let them open the door and come in and sup with me or sit down with me, have intimacy with me, have relationship. Intimacy, that's what intimacy means, is is knowing God. You know what I'm finding out more and more as I've gone to church for a long time? That people are more acquainted with church than they are with God. They They have fallen in love with religion and have no relationship. You know how I know this is true? I was in a meeting the other day, and I could tell you, and I had to repent after I left. It, was, it wasn't the greatest message I had necessarily heard before, but I'm sure somebody else was receiving. Have you ever gone to a service? Come on, be honest with me. And you can already tell out the gate that this message isn't going to be for you, and you're like, man, I can't wait to this message. I've had those moments. Oh, you've never had those moments? You might want to fix that halo on your horn there. I was having one of those moments, and when I left, I had to repent because I said, God, I know that was for somebody. But here's when I I had to repent. is because I've been in church so long, I can tell you when the songs are going to end, and I can tell you when they're going to give the benediction. I know exactly when to slide out, when it's not going to be disruptive. I know exactly when they're going to sit down and when they're going to stand up. And I think that that's why my aim is to bring church outside of the box. It's not that I don't know how to conduct a service. It's that I believe that like the old churches in the book of Revelation, I don't want to be that church that makes God sick to his stomach. I don't want to, I want to be that church that Jesus doesn't say, hey, you have, you've got all these duties right. You've got the songs right. You're on key most of the time. Your, your prayer ministry is great, but, and, and you pray for the sick, and, and, and you read the scriptures, you, you, you're in, you have no er, error or heresy found in the preaching of the word, but you have lost your first love. Somebody say love. And so that's exactly what these few gentlemen are doing in this uh, 
in the chapter of Luke, in chapter, I believe, 14. They have all these excuses. And the first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. I have asked you to have me excused. What do I mean by that? So, so this guy has become so familiar with God. I had, a, I had a minister one time when I seen him ministering up in the pulpit, and I was kind of just walking back and forth aimlessly, and he could tell I was completely out of the spirit. And he called me out, and he said, this is a good friend of mine. He said, don't ever get familiar with the presence of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord came over me. But with this gentleman, when, he, when he's making an excuse, he's saying, hey, he was familiar with God. He said, yeah, first, he was so familiar, he said he was comfortable enough to say, hey, look, can I be excused? I've been to church. I know what to expect. I know what I'm going to get. Familiarity will kill your spiritual walk with the Lord. And so he said, I bought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. May I be excused? So he elevated his personal interest above God's perfect will. And then you have this second gentleman, and another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to test them. I have to ask you to have me excused. This is probably where I fell for about 15 years running a business. I was too busy to work for the Lord, constantly feeling the calling, constantly feeling the drawing, constantly feeling the Holy Spirit nudge my heart like I have more for you. It's not just about work. But yet I had all these excuses, and my excuse was I don't have time. But there will come a day when the excuses will no longer do. When the, there will come a day when the door is shut. No, we're not one of those churches that say that you know, we can pray you into heaven after you pass away. You do believe that there is once appointed for a man that he should die and then face judgment. So there is, there is this time when, when the door is closed. And, and as the body of Christ, I have to challenge you and, and I have to remind you and I have to exhort you and goad you this morning and tell you that we have to get busy. Amen. Because time is short. Somebody say time is short. Time is short. The Bible says that the harvest is white. It's ready, but the laborers are few. And so this gentleman, he puts his business and his work above the calling of God on his life. And then the third one says, I have married a wife. These are all great excuses. He says, but therefore I cannot come. His family was first. He couldn't come to church because he had kids. How many know about that? Like, I'm not going to bring my kids to church because, you know, if the kids act up. I don't know, am I the only one who have kids that end up tying the, you know, the teacher up at the end of the service? So there's all these excuses. And so today I want to minister from a, from a message called the invitation. The invitation. And my encouragement to you this morning is don't miss God's invitation. Amen. And though the world is, is going and reeling and it's going seemingly going crazy, simultaneously there is this great invitation into God's perfect plan and his will. For the believer, excuse me, the unbelieving believer who is afraid and cannot see God's hand in this. Come on. Because God's hand is in this. Because we win either way, with no matter who ends up being the president. Yes, we have a preference. Of course we do. We're human. But at the same time, has any one president been the answer to America's? Not one. Can I tell you there's only one answer? And it's found between the pages in this book. Because in my Bible says, don't look to the hills from when with Trump comes my help or Biden comes my help. 
It says, look to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. He is ultimately our rescuer. He is the one who ultimately will set all things right and make all things new and create the new Jerusalem. So there's an invitation this morning. An invitation, not to just a party, but there's an invitation to the Lord's table. Amen? Amen. Look at somebody and say, you're invited. Reinhard Bonnke overheard somebody praying when he was a young boy. And he said this gentleman was, had to be in his 70s or his 80s. And he said this, mind today what matters later. Mind today what matters later. Do you know why these three gentlemen so easily rejected the Lord's invitation? Because they only thought about today. They didn't think about tomorrow. And we now more than ever have to think about tomorrow. We have to live today in preparation for tomorrow. As a matter of fact, what you feed yourself spiritually today determines how you feel tomorrow. Come on. How you pray today will determine how strong you feel tomorrow. How you seek the Lord today is going to determine how you feel tomorrow. Come on. How many know the, the presence of the Lord is what energizes you? It, it empowers you. It gives you strength for tomorrow. It gives you strength to be able to face the adversary. Come on. We don't talk about devils anymore in churches. You know, we, we, we tell you to go see counselors. Can I tell you, there's some things that counselors cannot cast out. There's some things, some, and I believe in Christian counseling. Let me just give you a little, you know, I believe in counseling. But at the same time, there are some things that only prayer can fight and prayer can combat. So when I think about what God, the reason God or Jesus was so angry at the, it wasn't necessarily just the rejection, but here's my honest thoughts on it. The scripture doesn't reveal it, but I wonder if it's because the Lord had more to offer than the world did, yet they chose the world. And that's what I see believers all over these days doing is they, they, they are choosing the world over God's invitation, over what he has to offer us. I mean, how great is it that God offer us, offers us not only eternal life, but healing? Come on, somebody say amen to that. He, he offers you strength in weary seasons of your life. He offers you peace of mind as you're going through tough seasons. These are all the things that the Lord offers as he beckons us to his table this morning. Look at somebody and say, the Lord's beckoning you. And one of the main things I want to draw a point, I wish the screen was working, so forgive us for the te technical difficulties this morning. First time our screen hasn't worked, so my PowerPoint's not going to be up, but maybe you can take some notes. Is one of the things that was offered at the table that these men rejected was his provision. His provision is at the table. If you think that $600 stimulus check is going to do it. But let me tell you something. Thank God for the government. Thank God for what they try to do. But we know a God who owns cattle on a thousand hills. And can I tell you, if you come to his table this morning, if you are on the Lord's side, if you surrender yourself fully to him, and listen, I'm talking to the person who's been saved for 30 years, and I'm talking to that person who's been saved for three days. Because there's many of you who are sitting on the outskirts of the table, and you're thinking you've tasted the food. But can I tell you, the end of your days shall be greater than your former, and the Lord has more, no matter what you've experienced. 
experience. No matter what kind of church you've experienced, no matter what promises you've experienced in your life, God has more for you, especially in these coming days. And let me tell you something. He has provision, and that's what we need in this hour with, with every, the stock market seeming to be in limbo, and nobody knows what's going to happen, or nobody knows what their, what's going to happen with their job. Nobody knows if they're going to implement martial law. But can I tell you, when you're at the Lord's table, he protects Come on, he protected the children of Israel's shoes from wearing out for 40 years. If he, if, he, if he could keep their feet and their shoes from wearing out and their clothes getting you know, moth-eaten, God can certainly provide for you and keep you in this difficult season. I love what it says in Psalms 50, verse 10. For every beast of the forest is mine, says the Lord, the cattle on a thousand hilltops. Do you know your daddy God can provide for you? He owns cattle on a thousand hills. Come on, he is the same God who took five loaves and two fish and provided them to his people. He's the same God who when Peter needed money to get into the temple, he provided tax money by putting money in a fish's mouth. We have a God who can provide for us no matter how dark the season, no matter how bleak the government looks because they are not our ultimate provider. They may be a resource, but they're not our provider. We have one provider and his name is Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah God, our provider, our healer, our source of strength, who meets all of our needs. Come on, look at somebody and say, he'll meet your needs. But can I tell you this? He will only work on your behalf in the way that you can see him as being provider. Oh, that hurts because then it puts something on our plate. Have you ever seen your neighbor next to you going through a really tough season, but, but they don't have the faith to believe God to do a certain thing in their life? Let me, let me just make a little sense of it. That's a little wordy. All throughout Scripture in the New Testament, Jesus, when he would do a miracle, before he would do most of those miracles, he would say this one thing. Do you believe? Somebody say, do you believe? So guess what? It's, an, it's not a question of whether or not God can meet the need or not or provide for you in this pandemic in the day that we're living in. Here's the question. Do you believe? I have a funny story. I was living, I was roommating. And um, this, is, this is several years ago. And I don't recommend this. Just so everybody knows, I do not recommend this. Because if you try to walk on water without the Lord's command, you're gonna sink, Okay. So you have to go off of the word of the Lord. But I knew the Lord was speaking to me. So I do not recommend this unless the Lord speaks. And so, so, so here's, here's what I did. Is I was sitting watching a TV show, and I knew this to be a man of God. And they had asked for an offering. And yes, not all of them are, have our best interest in mind when you see those things. But there are some that do. Who truly who understand the principle of sowing and reaping? Well, that particular day, I knew this to be a man of God. And, but when this man said, sow this specific amount, I knew in my heart, I felt like the Lord challenged me. But here was the problem I had been out of work for probably weeks, I was just about broke. And here's what the Holy Spirit said to me, Gene He gave me the amount, and the amount that He gave me was more than what I had in my bank. Come on, somebody say, He's your provider. So he asked me to give a specific amount. I don't know if I've ever told this story. Maybe I have. So I literally, I fill out this check for this certain amount. And I lived in an apartment at that time. And I make my way towards 
the, I, I walk, it's about, I don't know, a quarter mile away, so I walk to the mailboxes, and with trembling hands, I slip this envelope into the drop box, and as soon as it hit the drop box, before I even make it back to the house, which only takes me about five minutes to walk, I landed two contracts before I even made it home. Why? Because I wasn't looking at my money as my ultimate answer. I was looking at God as my answer. And I don't know what your Bible says, but the Bible says that God gives seed to the sower. Most people will eat their seed when you should be sowing it. And that could be in your... and how you use your time, your talent, your skills. It doesn't always just mean money. It can mean other things. If you don't have money, sow your time. Amen. If you don't have time, I don't know, sow your, sow your talent. You know, Do something for someone. Your life is a seed. Your time is a seed. Your talent is a seed. But what ground you decide to sow your seeds in will determine your harvest. Amen. But God is our provider. Say, he's my provider. The second thing that the table offers to us this morning is peace. There is peace at the table. Somebody say peace. Anybody in here that can use peace this morning? Come on. I know you're smiling and you have your hair done very nicely this morning and you're dressed very nicely. There's not a scuff on your shoe, but more than likely the enemy has been at work this week in our lives. Come on. It was a tough morning for me getting up and making it here. This week was super busy and I had an onslaught of things to do. And, 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 but at the table, we have to remind ourselves to come to the table because it's at the table that the Lord offers peace of mind. I love this scripture. It says, great peace have those who love your law. I got another one for you. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. In other words, the table is a place where that's, that's what being at the table and at the supper table means. It means being with someone, being there intimate with them, loving them, understanding them, and knowing them. And as you're putting your mind on him and focusing on him, you get peace. Amen. Come on. You have peace by spending. You, you can be going through any season of your life, no matter the difficulty. Did you know there's a place where you can be in perfect peace? Amen. You can be struggling to pay your bills and still have peace. Oh, I know that's hard to believe. I've gone through seasons where I'm just like, Lord, I don't even know what to do. I don't know how I'm going to pay this. I don't know if I'm going to, you know, make it through the season without going crazy. And, and, and then I just ask the Lord, Lord, would you just fill me with your peace? And then for the, the, for the rest of the week, I'm worried about why I'm not worried. I'm scared that I'm not scared. Like, Lord, this should be bothering me. I'm going to lose my apartment here, Lord. But you can come to a place where you have that kind of peace. Because I'm going to give you a scripture. It says, he'll give you peace that passes understanding. In other words, you won't understand why you don't worry. Or why you have that. You won't understand why I have that perfect peace. Because you know why? It's not your peace. It's his peace. And Jesus is peace. He is your peace. He's the prince of peace. And so he's at, he's at the table inviting us this morning, inviting us to get rid of our excuses, beckoning us to his table. As I mentioned before, that table represents intimacy. It represents closeness. 
but you cannot have peace without intimacy. You can have religion. You can have church. But until you have Jesus, you will not have true peace. No matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you strive, because he ultimately is peace. I love the model of John the disciple, John the beloved, and I love how he refers to himself because nobody else calls him this but himself. How many know the disciple John? He's like the one whom Jesus loved. He's referring to himself. That's like you saying, you know, if you're writing about yourself, he was like, hey, I'm Matt. I'm the one who Jesus loves. He's, he's referring to himself, but, but he was a lover of God. And so I love his posture. I'm not gonna read it nor take you there, but, but his posture was always leaning on Jesus' breasts. Some scholars believe that these were teenage boys. And so it would have been normal for them to, because Jesus was their mentor, it would have been normal for them to lounge on him like you would if you're at, you, know, you have a best friend or it would be normal for them to just lounge back and he would ask Jesus his questions. But this, this posture is so profound because they, they were at dinner tables and they would lounge. They didn't have tables like we do. They would actually recline and lean on their elbow. And John's posture was always that of leaning on Jesus' breast. And this is where the heart of Jesus or his secrets would be revealed to the disciple. And, and, and I honestly believe that this is why John was the beloved or you know, the beloved, the one whom Jesus loved, is because he, would re- he had this posture of resting on Jesus' breast. But listen to this, which represents being close to his heart. How many want to be close to his heart? Amen. But when you lounge on Jesus in this way at the table, because that's where they were in this context, They were at a table, and John would recline. This is where John would receive the secrets of Jesus' heart. How many want to know the secrets of the Lord's heart? And this is what I completely believe. I believe he reclined on Jesus because Jesus would reveal his secrets of his heart. Because when the Lord reveals the secrets of his heart, it brings you peace. Can I, can I tell you, there's, there's nothing in this world that will ultimately bring you constant peace, right? But when, you, when I see all of this happening in the world, I, I'm forced in a position where I constantly have to lean back on Jesus. Let me just tell you, whether it's work, because I do work full-time, and I do this full-time. So I'm constantly in a position where I'm desperate, Lord, I need your peace, because there's everybody and a whole lot of things on my schedule that beckon to rob me of my peace. So I'm constantly in this posture where, Lord, I need your peace. I need that place of rest. But what I have found out that everything can be going on wrong around you. Everything can seem discombobulated and out of place. But when you lean on him, he'll give you the peace you need when he shares his secrets, right? So here's what I mean by that. This world seemingly doesn't know what to do. It's reeling. And where we see chaos, if we're not leaning into him, leaning on his breast, understanding his heart, because the person who leans in and understands his heart sees his plan in this situation. But he'll share, you those, he'll share those secrets with you, right? Here's what, here's what I've been sharing. Here, can I give you guys a little secret? This is a win-win situation that we're in. Because, look, I see somebody looking at me. What is he going to say? Is he red or blue? Is he left or right? What is he going to say? I'm red representing the blood of Jesus. That's what I... 
when we see chaos, if you lean into the Lord long enough, see, he doesn't get off of his throne. He, he sits on his throne. He's at re- meaning he's at rest. In other words, this doesn't bother him. In other words, he's not moved. But when you listen to his heart, here's what he's been telling me. This is all a part of the grand plan. This is all a part of the grand plan. Listen to this. In Babylon, Babylon was where the Israelites would get, they would, they would go into oppression when they would start worshiping false gods, when they would go far from God, when they would start constructing calves and worshiping other gods and making other things the priority, money and different things, right? So they would go into enslavement, but what enslavement would do, what evil would cause them to do, the evil being done to them, would drive them to their knees. So no matter what happens, who gets in office? Yes, I do have a preference, and I hope you would all too. First of all, let me just say we, we can never stand behind abortion 100%. You know, that, let me just say that first and foremost. And I, I believe that God is through with all that. And let me just tell you, there is still time for things to turn because God is a miracle-working God. And we just need to pray. We need to intercede. We need to keep standing in faith and believing because God is a God of the 11th hour. And we're in a Red Sea moment, and I fully believe that right now, that God, even though our backs seem like it's up against the wall, God can part the sea anytime he wants to. But if for whatever reason he decides not to, know this, that God still has a plan because he works some things out together for our good? No, he works all things. That means anything that can happen in the nation. Can I just tell you this? The church was birthed in oppression. And Jesus wouldn't even give any attention to the government. He just preached the kingdom because he wasn't there to establish an earthly kingdom. He was there to establish a heavenly kingdom. He said the kingdom is not here or there. It's not meat or drink. It's righteousness, joy, peace in the Holy Ghost. Come on, so stop looking for a kingdom out there. Pray, pray for the nation. You are obligated to pray as a believer. But let me tell you something. We will never see a perfectly established kingdom out there. But can I tell you where you can see a perfectly established kingdom? When the Lord... Jehovah, when God, when Jesus Christ sets up his throne on your heart, that's when you see a perfect kingdom. Because the kingdom isn't without, it's within. Somebody say the kingdom's within. The kingdom is within. If you're lacking peace today, can I just tell you, it's a sign that you've got up from the table. If you lack peace today, this is not a condemning message it is a sign that you've got up from the table because at the table, he gives peace. You know what? I love this story. I'll briefly get into it. And it's also found in Luke, but it's a few chapters back, about four chapters back in Luke chapter 10. And it says this, now as it happened, as they went, he entered a certain village and, that's, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, meaning welcoming Jesus into her house. And she had called her sister Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Somebody say much serving. And she approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Now watch this. But one thing is needed. Everybody say one thing. One thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part, and that will not be taken away from her. Can I tell you, there's only one part that we need to worry about in this season. We worry, and I know it's, it's, it's a difficult thing not to look 
and reel over what's happening in the government. God calls you. The one thing that he calls us to do is be at his feet. That is the number one ministry that every believer has. If you're not a minister in this morning, you are. A, let me just tell you, you are a minister. And you're called, your first ministry is to be at his feet. And you know what they were at? They were at a table. The sister, Martha, was upset. She's not helping me serve. She's not helping me do this or that or the other. we got to change things, and I believe in that. But let me tell you something. The first part that's required of us is worshipers because worship changes things. Worship changes atmospheres. And if enough worship is offered up to the Lord, it can change a nation. It changes hearts. It changes nations. It changes churches. Come on. And so I know that we are all busy and we're all busy with our schedules. But can I tell you this? You can be at his feet while you're on your feet. Did you hear what I said? We can be at his feet while we're busy with our feet. We can still be at his feet. And here's, here's my common practice. Some people see me, I'll be working with a client or I'll be working with an employee or something of that nature. And I'll, all of a sudden, there'll be times when I feel the tug of the Lord wanting my attention. Just give me five minutes, Donnie. Give me five minutes. When I start to feel the stress of the day, I do everything in my power to pull away. So even though I'm with people throughout the day, in my heart, I'm tucked away. Because he knows, I, Lord, I really just want to be with you. I really want to be at this job right now, but I'm going to be faithful to what you've given me. But, but I, I, am, I am on my feet in my spirit, but in the natural, I'm on, uh, you know, I'm, excuse me, I'm on my knees in the spirit, in my soul, right? Between me and the Lord, but, but in the natural, I'm on my feet. But that's the secret place that God is calling us all to, even in this season, to come into that secret place where we can experience true peace. Somebody say peace. peace. Thirdly, he offers protection at the table. Now, this is key. I want you to think about this with me. Everybody look at me. I want you to think about the culture of the day. What the disciples were going through during Jesus' day. It looked a lot like what we're seeing right now. The church was birthed. I mean, they, were, they thought Jesus was coming to overturn the Roman government. They were upset at him, actually, for not doing it. And every time they would try to get him to give attention to that, he would always point to God. He would always do a healing. He, you know, he would create a miracle. He would do something to take the attention off of that. He was focusing on the kingdom. But protection was offered because here's the deal. If, if, if you look through the parables, if you look through Jesus' life, most scenes are taking place at a table. And with all of that going on, do you know that outside, particularly after Jesus' death, Nero was lighting Christians on fire and lighting the streets up with them. People were hung at the gallows. People were beheaded. People were crucified on crosses. Imagine all of that was going on, and yet the church thrived. But can I tell you, all of that going on, there was, they were always at a table because there's protection at the table. When you're with the Lord, there's, there's an extra protection that you don't have outside of that. Because when, you, when, you're, when you're on the Lord's side, when you have a relationship with him, when you are pursuing him, you are under an umbrella that not everybody is under. It's not that God loves other people less. He loves everybody equally. Everybody say equal. But there's a place in God where there's added protection. Amen? Come on. The Bible talks about being hidden under the shadow of the Almighty. There's, there's a level of protection that you have when you're at his table. And there's no safer place than to be in God's will, even with all this happening. And there's no more dangerous place to be than outside of it. 
But can I tell you, you may, and this may be hard to believe what I'm about to say, but America is right into the center of what God is about to do. And, and America is on God's heart. It's the apple of his eye. He has a plan because I believe that America is going to be a forerunner. As hard as it is to believe, America will be a forerunner as we come to a close in the world. Amen? As we're entering into the last days. I, I heard a minister the other day. He said, we are in a Red Sea moment. And I mentioned that earlier, and I couldn't agree more. I want you to think about this, where we're at as Americans, or, you know, if you're a resident or what have you. Um, I want you to think about the position that the Israelites were in as they were headed towards the Red Sea before it parted. Their enemies were behind them. Pharaoh was behind them. Hundreds of chariots, chaos. They were reeling, you know, wringing their hands while they're sitting at the Red Sea. But can I tell you, it's, it's, it's in moments like this where God parts Red Seas. When our back is up against the wall. You know what? America has run out of answers. You know when God begins to show up is when you run out of answers. Is when you cannot, you've, you've prayed, you've cried, you've fasted, and you don't know what else to do, and your back is up against the wall, your enemies are behind you, it's right then when God begins to part seas and do miracles in your life. And can I tell you this? This is what the most awesome thing is, and this is what I really, truly feel from the Lord. I'm not prophesying who's going to be in the presidency. I'm, I'm, I, I, I refuse to do that part of it, because anything that you declare without the unction of the Holy Spirit, I feel is, is wrong. So I won't do that, but I will tell you what I feel from the Lord. Is everybody ready? I want you to think about this. The Lord delayed his coming so that Pharaoh could catch up. Oh, that's good. That's real good. I know you don't understand it right now. He didn't part. He cut a part of the Red Sea right when they got there. Amen. He waited. He waited and waited until all the enemies caught up. And then the Lord parted the Red Sea just so Pharaoh and his army could begin to pass through the Red Sea as well. The problem is, is that the Lord closed up the Red Sea on Pharaoh and his army, but he let his enemy try to catch him first. You wonder why the, the Lord lets your enemy get so close? Oh God, you guys aren't talking to me. You've never gone through seasons when you're like, Lord, why do you keep allowing me? Why is the season so prolonged? Why am I still sick? Why do I not have a husband yet? Why am I still depressed? Why are you allowing the enemy? Why are you allowing one thing after the other happen to me? And you're right at the Red Sea. You're like, Lord, part the Red Sea. It's, a, it's because the Lord allows the enemy to get super close to you so he can destroy them. Come on, that deserves a better hand clap than that. The Lord will wait for you. He will wait to the last waking moment. He's the God of the 11th hour, and he will allow your enemies to pursue you, whatever your enemy is. Your enemy might be finances this morning. Maybe you're super political. Maybe your enemy's the blue side. I, I don't know what your enemy is, but I know that God has an enemy in America, and it's called evil, and it's called abortion. And God will allow it, the enemy seemingly to catch up, and then he opens his Red Sea, all the while desiring to swallow up the enemy. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Amen. Does somebody believe that in here? Yes. I love this song by Michael W. Smith. It's called Surrounded. 
And here's what, and I'm not sure if this song was inspired by the Red Sea story, but it sure sounds like it. And it says this, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It doesn't matter what's surrounding America or what's surrounding your situation. Here's all you need to know. You are surrounded by the Lord. He will fight your battles. He will do the fighting. You do the praying, he does the fighting. You do the fasting, you do the keeping your eyes on him, and the Lord will do the rest because he fights your battles. Come on, somebody say, he fights my battles. So it doesn't matter what your enemy is today and how you're surrounded. When you're at the Lord's table, you have his protection. Everybody say protection. And most importantly, I want you to stand to your feet if you can. For me, this is the most important point of the entire message. And I know we've been focusing on this as a church, particularly through the month of December, putting focus on this. So it may sound a little bit repetitive, maybe even a little bit laborious, but when you're at the table with the Lord, he offers his presence. He offers his presence. Everybody say presence. Presence. I never realized until recently, the past couple of years, the importance of the presence of the Lord. And here's why. Because when you have the Lord's presence, not only can you endure things, but he strengthens you to do things that you could not do in of yourself. He empowers you to do his will. He strengthens you. You know what's the greatest failure to me? It's like the greatest death before I even come out here. I say, Lord, I don't even know, you know how you can use this. I was at 4 a.m. I, I was sitting on the couch and the Lord completely switched my sermon title and I just, I just felt like the Lord is beckoning people to his table. And you know what I think he's doing more than ever is making his presence available more than ever. He's making his spirit available to you and I more than ever to fill you. Because listen, God doesn't want you to go through whatever it is you're going through alone. He sent a helper. That helper is called the Holy Spirit. You're not called to raise that child on your own. You're not called to run that business on your own. You're not called to raise that teen on your own. You're not called to be alone. Amen. The Holy Spirit, he is the helper. He is the great equipper. He is the great, he's the one who endows you with power. Come on. It says, after that, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977 interested in hearing more, check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.